welcome. Podcast. So, Ross, is this your dream come true? Yes, yes, it is. Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, this is a purely organic podcast. Basically, a lot of people said to me, they said, Ross, you should do a podcast. And they told me that about five to eight years ago. So, I'm finally doing it. And um, I thought I could enable that for you, Ross. Thanks. So, Christopher Warman, ladies and gentlemen. Christopher, you are... Way! Whoa! So, you, Chris, you are um, first and foremost a human being. You are proficient in photography, videography. Yeah. Lighting. Nah. <laughs> Get out. <laughs> uh, do you, I like board games. Do you like board yeah, games? Yeah, I like board games. So, chess, I think, counts as a board game. Yeah, that's a classic. Um, what board games do you like? Splendor. Splendor. I've played it with the gems and the medievalness. Yes. Kim, do you play board game? I think that chess is a good board game because it's very boring. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Kim Lee, Doc Doctor, Kim Lee. Way. Hey, uh, Ross, didn't you create your own board game, the Just Eat It card game? Yeah, I did. I created a a card game. Well, as you all know, I'm, I'm pretty much addicted to stand-up comedy, but I, I used to play a lot of video games, if that's, uh, yeah. What was to... your choice of video game? Oh, I, I played the game Pokemon Go for over a year. I even played it in Canada and uh, Hong Kong. I played it in Hong Kong, right? So, you know, you, are you familiar with the game Pokemon Go? Is that the one where your phone tells you where to go yeah, and, you, yeah. and you catch the Pokemon? <clears throat> yeah. So, yeah. on the map, I could see that there was a, a hive of activity in this little park in Hong Kong. I went over there and these guys were literally playing nonstop all day, every day. There was even a guy who was blind playing purely using the sound only. So, he had his phone up against his face and he'd spin the Pokeball and catch Pokemon blind. Wow. I don't really get it though. The, the Pokemon uh, Go had a lot of obviously factors to, to it, but in terms of my understanding of online communities and video game addiction, right? The classic thing is you have to have communities and they split the teams up fire color. So there's a red team, a yellow team and a blue team. And it made you a tribe, a little gang essentially. And I became a gang leader in Adelaide. I uh, was one of the leaders of the Yellow Instinct team and I would coordinate carloads of Yellow players, uh, you know, not because I'm Asian, but uh, there were car like carloads. We'd go up into Mount Barker Hills and we'd wipe out a whole section. Why'd you start? Good question. Mainly because I'm a video game addiction specialist and I needed to take some of my own medicine and I realized that if it wasn't for the game, I would not be friends with these people. These people were actually dodgy people who had no lives. I play a lot of um, Blitz chess. Do you, know what, do you know what Blitz is? It's not chess boxing. No, chess boxing's slightly different. Blitz is basically chess games that go for five minutes. So you have five minutes on your clock each. I like to play three minute. That's crazy. Yes. But, you know, if you're going to be addicted to something, it may as well be something that's good for your brain. Yeah. So, what do you get out of it? What's your reward? I like chess specifically and blitz chess because it helps with your thinking and clarity of thought and then plan ahead. And it actually sort of comes in handy in a weird way for stand-up because in stand-up, you're also trying to anticipate 
what the audience is going to do. Yeah. So in chess as well, you're trying to anticipate your opponent's move. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But it, like all these things, moderation is important. You know who the other comedian that plays a lot of chess is? Well, I think James McCann, yeah, Josh yeah. Biggs, yeah. a few of the boys. It's a certain type of brain. 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 Um, but Kim, you are, are a doctor. Yeah, man. And you, you were talking a little bit before about Freud and his theory of humor. Would yeah. you like to let, let our audience know about that? Yeah, I mean, he, he wrote a whole book on it. I tried to get through it, but it's actually translated from uh, Austrian or German. And so it's actually quite dense, but it talks about, you know, the classic uh, schadenfreude, you know, about schadenfreude. It's where uh, you make fun of someone. It's essentially punching up. Like, it's funnier for a pie to fall on someone's head if that person is all dressed up as a posh person who doesn't like to get dirty rather than throwing it on a homeless person. But also wordplay and puns and things like that are in his book. Freud likened uh, humour to the consciousness allowing for the expression of thoughts that were suppressed by, you know, your parents, society, the world around you. And, and I think the interesting thing for me is just seeing a lot of comics talk about their mental health issues on stage and, you know, their vulnerabilities, bullying, all their sort of demons in their past. And I think there is something therapeutic. I definitely get something therapeutic. I don't know about you. Do you get something therapeutic by being on stage? or? Um, there's definitely a release element. Mm. You know, for me, like, have you ever heard of exposure therapy? No. Yeah, so exposure therapy, you develop a hierarchy you know, what is the least scariest thing? Is that like looking at a picture of a spider or looking at the word spider? And then with conditions like, say, for example, PTSD or post-traumatic stress disorder, a lot of the time the therapy is just talking about the event that happened that almost killed you and talking about it over and over again like a broken record. And I think a lot of the times when you're in doing the same five-minute set for over a year, you're talking about, the same thing over and over again. You kind of get bored of it and that's the whole point that the story, the trauma that really messed you up first time, you talk about it so often it just becomes really boring and like you've been helping me out with my friend show and I've just been telling you today, going through it over and over again like a broken record, it does take a lot of energy. For sure. Have you snuck in any jokes that uh, to help you get over something? Obviously, um, you know, I grew up Asian in an Australian culture and, you know, uh, second generation Vietnamese. And you know, that's, that was, that came with its challenges. You know, my brother and my sister and I were like the only Asians in primary school and, you know, you know, definitely got bullied because of that. Saying things like, you know, go back to where you came from, that kind of thing. But the funny thing is, is uh, comedians, they're, they're very well-meaning. And I'll ask comedians about advice on my comedy, for example. And one comic said to me, you know, you do talk about the Asian stuff a bit too much. It's, it's, it's not hack, but it is trope-ish. And I was thinking to myself, that is kind of racist-ish, isn't it? It's kind of like this equivalent in comedy of like going back to where you came from, your jokes are too Asian. But you got to talk about what you know. Yeah, exactly. And your life yeah. and your experiences. Yeah. yeah, so that leads into, so like maybe to talk about different theories of humor. There's the superiority theory, which is kind of what we're talking about, which is making fun of a group of people yep. or an ethnicity. It's big in ethnic kind of humor. So Australians make fun of New Zealanders. Um, Americans make fun of Canadians. You know, then there's uh, the relief theory, which is more set up punchline, set up punchline, and the comedian builds up tension and then releases it. 
Um, hopefully there's a big laugh at the end of this. <laughs> See, even there, you guys just laughed at me because there was a bit of tension. Yeah. The third theory of humour is the incongruity theory, and that's where a comedian tricks you. So he builds a pattern, one, two, and then the third one is something else, something random. Um, but then obviously even within that, there's more types of humour. So there's there's puns. There's long stories, there's spontaneous audience interaction kind of humor. There's this Freudian kind of element that we about the subconscious and the, and the consciousness um, revealing itself that also is a factor. So yeah, it's kind of a, um, a very complicated uh, realm. That totally makes sense. Uh, you, you spoke about ethnic comedy. Yeah. I'm gonna do a whole set tonight with a very Asian tropish accent and I've come to grips with it. Uh, because obviously it makes a lot of people feel uncomfortable. But I think in the cranker comedy, I've always been getting good response with it here. Not because people are racist, but people are pretty warm. Um, <laughs> but, you know, people have said to me, oh, you know, it's so racist voice. But the, the funny thing is, is I can make any person in my own family laugh if I put on that accent. Yeah. So does that make it racist? I don't know. Like, No, I don't think it does because you're of that ethnicity. Mm. So you can do the Vietnamese or even you know, Asian generic voice because you are. I think the real trick though is would, you, would a comedian or a performer be prepared to do that bit in an audience where there were – Asian people if they weren't themselves Asian because then this comes back to the Freud thing. If they feel anxious about it, then maybe it is racist. Mm. And I guess that's where reading the room and theory of mind comes into it. And, yeah. you know, I've, I've got a whole bit on theory of mind. So theory of mind is essentially understanding that, Chris, you have your own perspective. Ross, you have your own perspective based on your own stories and that you see things from a different point of view. And this actually gets developed when you're about three or four years old and you know little kids they kind of think that everyone has the same ideas but then at three you're gonna go hang on a sec i can actually tell a lie and no one can read my thoughts do the joke do the joke so the, <laughs> the joke as an eight-year-old i decided to tell a joke in front of my whole class now the first mistake i made was i stole it from my brother so i didn't actually understand the joke so the joke is why did the bold man with no hair have holes in his pockets so he could run his fingers through his hair. Now, none of my classmates, <laughs> they laugh at the joke. And theory of mine taught me that that's because none of my classmates had pubes. But the one person that did laugh was my teacher. He actually had pubes, brown pubes, because later on he showed me. Yeah. Um, but that was actually a true story. Like That actually happened. Um, you know, some people, they don't have theory of mind. Why are you laughing? I don't know. It's funny. Um, <laughs> some people, they, they lack theory of mind because of, you know, um, they're intoxicated. So that's why hecklers. And that's because their theory of mind gets wiped out. Um, certain conditions. I think some people with uh, autism have problems with theory of mind. They kind of see things from their, only their point of view and are very rigid. Uh, I, I I definitely think uh, you need to have empathy to do comedy. Like you need to, it's helped me in terms of opening up my emotional side a little bit more. It kind of forces me to 
to step out of my comfort zone and, and be more animated and be more energetic, I guess, because my default is actually quite introverted. Do you find that there are a lot of comics who are quite introverted people, um, but when they're on stage, they're just like totally different people? It's an interesting question. It's obviously a spectrum. Mm. Like we're obviously all a bit extroverted to want to do it, yeah. but then you go through phases and sometimes you're getting up and performing on stage is a very weird thing to do if mm. you analyze it. But then sometimes I find I'm just happy being completely by myself and just having my own time. Mm. And But we're all like that, aren't we? Like isn't every like you can't be around people all the time. Well, I guess the thing is, is um, do you get energized by being around other people or do you feel like your energy gets taken away? I think I, I, I my energy gets sapped away if I'm around people too much. Okay. That's interesting. I think it, for me, generally, I get energized by other people, but it mm. depends on the people as well. Yeah, true. You know what I mean? If yeah. those people... When I'm around you, Gross, I'm like, I'm always depressed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Were you around with Cranker Comedy from the beginning, Chris? No. Actually, it would have been maybe a year or two after you'd started it. And the first time I came here, I met Wendy. <laughs> he met his My wife. wife. He wow, met his wife. That is amazing. Yeah. yeah. To that's, these a, guys. that's amazing. I'm, I'm taking, taking partial I credit. I didn't know that story. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm taking partial credit for the setup. Not obviously. Were you, were you present uh, no, on just... the honeymoon too, man? Wait. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> No, I really love that. these guys. Yeah. I really love these guys. That's really nice that they that they met through comedy. Oh, that's cool. Maybe I've got chance. So, um, should we do a thing <laughs> where we all ask each other a question? And we like three way. Yeah, sure. <laughs> do you know what? I reckon here's a theory. You're funnier when you're single. Sometimes I generate Mormon's hero when I'm not actually in a relationship because when I am, I prioritize the relationship and therefore might not devote as much energy towards creative got, yeah, pursuits. Is, is that why you're not as funny anymore? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so, so should, we, anyway. should, should we wrap this up uh, with some questions, some quick-fire questions? Sure. Do you want me to go? Are you looking yeah. at me? Yeah. Okay, all right. Uh, this one's for Kim Lee. Yes, Chris. Uh, so you, you're new to comedy-ish, new-ish. Yeah. Do you see your comedy, obviously you're going on tour, to, you're taking a show to Sydney mm-hmm. soon. Sydney. It's probably already happened by the time this goes out. But um, do you see you want your comedy to take a, a more professional career? Yeah. Rather I mean, than I, being I, a therapy tool like I we think, mentioned earlier? Yeah, I think, uh, well, I'm, I'm, I've got two shows with the King's Cross Hotel, King's Cross Comedy. I'm using that as a benchmark to see whether I've got what it takes. I'll most likely do an Adelaide Fringe show. I think for me, it's all about learning. And I'm, I'm actually been thinking about traveling to the United States, like gigging nonstop and see how good I can get. And just The Adelaide scene um, is great and it's a great place to start. And it, it's actually going through a resurgence right now. But I think you, to get better, you just got to travel. Yeah, push yourself. All right, Chris, my question's to you now. Uh-oh. If you're on a desert island <laughs> and you can only have one meal, what are you choosing? Chili chicken parmy. Chili chicken parmy? Yeah. Open up the Ed Castle just to, op- <laughs> just to cook it. Yeah. You really like a chili chicken parmy? Yeah, I miss it. Oh, that's nice. Good choice. All right, Ross, so if you, if you had a chicken parmigiana yeah. that you could take to any island in the world which island would that be oh is scotland an island they would have little islands maybe i go to greece rekindle the roots yeah yeah 
Do you reckon they'll appreciate a parmigiana? Uh, yeah, not really. <laughs> not, not really. They don't. Greeks eat like they have pizza. Pizza's recently come in in, in Greece. It's pizza and like, it's, in it's, Greece it's got the pizza, pizza, and it's like there's two types of pizza. <laughs> like all pizza is like the same. Whereas here we can choose like eight to ten to whatever pizza we want. Dangerous mushroom at Australian Pizza House. That's your choice. Well, that's the cheapest one. You know, it's like the four dollar one. <laughs> that's dangerous. <laughs> that's a dangerous price. Yeah, hallucinogenic. I was just going to say, this podcast proudly not sponsored by Australia's Pizza House, Nippies, the Greece Tourism Board. Uh, okay, well, any final thoughts from anyone? Oh, it was a c- cool podcast idea. You got access to a lot of interesting people. Might have to have a chat after Sydney. Wow. My final thought is um, follow your passion. Hey, that's the story of my actual comedy show yes I've influenced you because you're helping me out with that's that that's good and buy Eater on eBay <laughs> <laughs> proudly not brought to you by Eater the card game alright thanks guys um, we may do another one of these yep thank you